Welcome to episode 147 of the Sports Marketing Huddle, a podcast that looks at all things marketing in the world of sports. Alongside Brian Cristiano, I'm Rob Cressy. Today's topic, the best and worst of the Super Bowl commercials. But first, like we do every episode, we're going to give you a fact about me of the day so you can get to know a little bit more about us. Brian, what's your fact about me of the day? I spent my Super Bowl in CBS Studios here in New York watching. I was on uh, WLNY last night live tearing down the uh, Super Bowl commercials with my boy Steve Overmeyer at Sports Desk. And then we did another thing for uh, CBS uh, here in New York last night as well. So it was a late night, exciting night. And I filled myself with all sorts of snacks and junk food at the studio that I said I wasn't going to. Nice. I'm sure you're not alone on that because I know I was gorging on delicious food that Mrs. Bacon made. Uh, for me, my fact about me of the day, uh, as I've mentioned previously, I've studied improv and comedy writing at Second City for four years. But one of those courses was writing for The Onion, which was four different courses, which taught you the fun fundamentals and formulaic humor for how to write like they do on The Onion. The reason this is relevant is when I'm looking at the different ads and the way that they try and break down comedy or use comedy to their advantage, uh, I certainly look at what I've been taught from The Onion, uh, more specifically, the funny filters you, you can use to write jokes. Give us an example. So, for example... Uh, madcap when something's super goofy or if you want to use analogy i actually wrote an article on this that i'll include in the show notes it helps me immensely anytime i'm trying to do something creative it's all of the different ways that you can tell the same joke uh which really really helps in trying to get a message across uh i'll try as we do the uh examples i'll see if i can add in some things that will nice. uh, give a little bit more context cool which brings us back to today's topic, the best and worst of the Super Bowl commercials. And Brian, I thought the best way for us to start is to give some general thoughts about the quality, theme, and tone of the commercials as a whole. Well, here's my thoughts. First, the theme was pretty straightforward. It's politics, celebrities, and nostalgia this year. Um, I'll be honest, I think there's only a handful of commercials that were fantastic and impressed me and seemed to impress people online. There was a lot of stuff that just seemed to be kind of bland and in the middle and just doing nothing. Um, so I think there was a lot of advertisers that pissed away a lot of money, but then I think that there was a good handful that utilized this to their full advantage. So I'm excited to dive into the details. What was your major takeaway from, from last night? Uh, the, probably an overall disappointment from what stood out to me because there's such a big opportunity here to showcase your brand and do something. And I just felt that there weren't a lot of people who uh, succeed or brands that succeeded in that. So as a whole, I was generally disappointed. And for me, I'm usually pretty optimistic when it comes to these things. So um, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I guess, you know, so you and I were talking before why don't we start off with kind of our top picks, what we thought went really well, and, and dive into that. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I mean, I think what everybody's talking about is Mr. Clean. He is just straight crushing. And, man, watch, watch your wife or girlfriend around Mr. Clean these days. And what I found interesting is, and here is actually one of the things from Second City, Mr. Clean became a character. Character is one of the ways that you can uh, – 
create comedy is by instilling something in him. Mr. Clean is just a cleaning product. But now, Mr. Clean, uh-oh, watch out for him. He's he's Gronk meets R. Kelly now. <laughs> it was very interesting. I give him some credit. I'll be honest, when I first saw the spot live, I was kind of like, all right, I don't know. Maybe it was just because it was positioned directly after the Audi spot, which was very much women empowerment. And then all of a sudden you had, like, Mr. Clean kind of being this, like, you know, kind of average looking dude who was like sexy to his wife when he was cleaning and i was like i don't know maybe the juxtaposition threw me off but the internet loved it and after watching it two or three times i it came i came around to it so i gotta give mr clean some credit and when you think about it just the cpg brand from floor cleaner that's pretty creative and i do think it was important uh mr clean went next level on social media so then with their twitter account mr clean started to comment in a native way on each of the different commercials and i highly recommend you guys checking out their twitter accounts to see the way they integrated it so brian we always talk about uh full integration with campaigns that you do i love the way that mr clean continued the conversation well absolutely and i mean i think that's a great transition over to squarespace which i thought was a great commercial i know you liked it um but what was really great about squarespace outside of uh john malkovic being john malkovic was the fact that they did a really great job with their social and digital leading all the way up to the Super Bowl. So they had peppered and released versions of this commercial and pre-release versions and even social media versions where he's texting with a guy trying to get his website back. And then they launched this version at the actual Super Bowl. And I think they had two that aired uh, last night. So I give credit to Squarespace. I thought it was really cool. I'm not sure if the younger audience than you and I would even know who John Malkovich is, but... However, I thought it was very clever. I thought it was great. It was on brand. You got what Squarespace was trying to achieve from a brand perspective. Um, and uh, I find John Malkovich pretty funny. So that was really cool. And I loved it the way that they really tied in social leading up to uh, the Super Bowl, which was very smart on their part. I saw that ad numerous times on numerous platforms. And what I liked about it was the simplicity of it. It wasn't cluttered. The messaging was clear and it was different from everything else that was out there. So as we mentioned in our pre uh, Super Bowl commercials preview, that that's what stood out to me. It's just the simplicity of it. And at the end, you knew exactly what it was. So big shout out to them. Which is another great transition out over to Audi, which was on the other side of the spectrum here. It was a beautiful ad. It was like women empowerment, daughter empowerment. I thought it was really good. They were kind of jumping in on the whole political bandwagon a little bit, but it was very, very tasteful. It wasn't on the on the more general politics that was going on. It was more of trying to like prove a point, and it came across very well. The creative was great. It was a good story. It tied in the car very well together at the end, where you know, and she starts kind of racing her own little. Uh, soapbox car so i thought that was a really beautifully done ad that went away from humor and was a little bit more serious and i thought audi knocked it out of the park yeah i mean clearly that one isn't exactly geared to me but you're right the storytelling they used was very good there it was very on point with the current landscape that we're dealing with there so i agree yeah and you know i think that that's the key too is showing that you can be successful in the super bowl going away from humor if you tell a really good story that gets people sucked in and i think audi did that now on the flip side another car uh commercial that you and i both think was done pretty well was honda with the yearbook commercial where they had all sorts of celebrities in their yearbooks and they animated it so they were kind of talking i thought that was a really creative spot and of course they peppered in that celebrity all over the place and had the nostalgia as part and parcel of the same thing. 
Well, yeah, Jimmy Kimmel with a clarinet. I mean, <laughs> it it was just you're you're captivated by the ad because you wanted to see each of these uh, yearbook photos and what these people looked like and the way they delivered this we hadn't seen before and it was a very simple premise that we can all relate to so from a storytelling standpoint they did a very good job there of telling us the story so if we're talking about celebrities let's jump over to bye 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 you got christopher walken and justin timberlake in a library in this like such christopher walken-esque vibe the brand is by so obviously you now know how to say it you know what it is it was pretty obvious the branding was all over but christopher walking's you know i guess not singing i guess like reading poetry that was justin timberlake's song bye 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 which i thought was super clever it was simple it wasn't the most creative thing in the world but it got the point across it made people smile and it was memorable very much so and what they also used was uh I guess negative space where they didn't use sound where all of a sudden they were all just sitting there just looking, letting us sort of figure the joke out themselves, which is something that a few brands did use when you're sitting there 30 seconds at $5 million a piece. It's some pretty valuable real estate. So for you to use silence to try and optimize what you're doing, I'd never even heard of this brand before. Yeah, you? I, I had heard of it. I knew the brand. But um, I have not really seen them do any marketing before, especially like this, obviously. So I thought it was a pretty clever way to get in the Super Bowl. And I do agree. It's got to be scary when you're spending five-plus million dollars just on the media. Forget the production and the celebrity cost, right? So millions and millions of dollars. It's got to be scary to say, yep, we're going to sit in silence for five or ten of those 30 seconds. But it pays off. When everything else is noisy, that actually becomes uh, it becomes more obvious. Which, if we're talking about obvious, let's end this, at least from my perspective, on the top picks with Tide. I don't know if you agree, but I will go out on a limb and say, not only was Tide the best commercial in the Super Bowl, I think it was one of the best commercials produced in the Super Bowl of all time. Not necessarily the number one, but I will definitely put this in the top five for sure of all time. And... For anybody that didn't see it, you must go see the Tide commercial, but there's a little more of a backstory to it, right? So it's Terry Bradshaw. He spills some sort of stain on his on his white shirt. It's supposed to be him actually doing an interview for the Super Bowl. Like he's commentating and he's like, oh crap, I got to go get this thing off. And he's running around. Next thing you see Gronkowski's in the spot. Everybody's trying to help him out. He ends up at Jeffrey Tambor's house, which is so bizarre but of course, so is Jeffrey Tambor. And then they're sitting on the couch and, and Tambor is washing his shirt in Tide. I think it's brilliant on a few different levels. Number one, the fact that they actually use the product in the spot to tell the story. Number two, it's a CPG. It's Tide. It's a laundry detergent. When the hell was the last time you saw a laundry detergent not just be funny for the fact of being funny or creative for the fact of being creative, somehow figured out to tell the story of how the product works and what it does in a creative fashion and in interjecting Bradshaw and Gronk and Tambor. I thought it was absolutely brilliant, but not only that, and this someone had to point out to me because it was very subtle, but then once I realized it, I think one of the most creative things that was done in the Super Bowl from an ad perspective. So if you go to the beginning of the first quarter, they cut to Terry Bradshaw doing an interview as if he was actually on set at the game, he may actually have been, or they faked it, but it looked like he's on set at the game, about to do an interview, and somebody comments on his shirt, he's got this stain, he's like, oh man, I gotta get this thing fixed. It was just like a 15 second little plug. 
They never mentioned the brand. It looked like it was native to the Super Bowl. If you weren't paying attention, you wouldn't have thought about it. It was a setup for the Tide commercial in the next quarter. Absolutely brilliant, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree 100%. I especially liked when the kid drew the stain on the Terry Bradshaw card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and it's it's the simple way that they executed a very common problem with someone. By the way, we can all see Terry Bradshaw as a fallible character, somebody who could very easily go on national television with a stain on his shirt because humor and he is what he who he is who he is, yep. and I think that's what endears us to Terry Bradshaw. Oh, exactly. They 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 picked the right characters. They played it the right way. Um, so let's jump over to our honorable mentions, right? And the first one, these are ones we, we think are worthy of talking about, but didn't necessarily make it into our top picks. Uh, the first one technically is not even a Super Bowl advertiser, but we're giving it an honorable mention because I think that we both think it was the best media arbitrage in the Super Bowl of all time. So Yellowtail, and you and I talked about this a couple episodes ago, purchased uh, local cable spots, 85% of all of the markets they purchase directly because Budweiser has the exclusive, not just on the beer category with the NFL and the Super Bowl, but on the alcohol category with the NFL and the Super Bowl. So no other liquor or, or, or wine, no other uh, alcohol brands are allowed to advertise in the Super Bowl. So what Yellowtail did is they went and bought 85% of all the available inventory in all, almost all of the markets, and they aired on one of the local breaks. And as far as a consumer is concerned, you have no idea what's a local break and a national break. So 85% of the viewers thought that Yelltail was an advertiser in the Super Bowl. Brilliant. I wasn't in love with their creative. It was cute. It was cool. It was fine. But I'm giving it an honorable, honorable mention because of the marketing and the media arbitrage. What I enjoyed about the Yellowtail ad was the vibe of it. It didn't come off as a wine ad. Uh, the yellow suit, the kangaroo, the kangaroo DJ. Uh, there was an attractive girl in there. All these different things. For me, I'm a beer dude, but I'll occasionally drink wine, but it's just not my thing. That ad appealed to me, the bro beer drinking dude. So I do like that they were trying to translate it across to, listen, wine can be in an everyday beverage when you're out with your friends having fun. So shout out to them. Yeah, they did a good job at multiple levels. Um, so the other honorable mention, and, and you know, and part of me is like, maybe we should push some of these in the top picks. I'm not sure, but we're going to lump them all together. So it's all the ones that really towed the political line a little bit, uh, very directly. You had 84 Lumber, Budweiser, Coke, Google, and then there was others, um, Airbnb, which I'm not even sure if that was an official, uh, you know, advertiser in the Super Bowl off the top of my head. But there was a bunch of others, but 84 Bud, Coke, and Google were very, very blatantly trying to toe the political line. They did it in a bunch of different ways. Really was mostly all about inclusion. Um, and 84 Lumber had to actually edit their commercial this week leading up to the Super Bowl to make it, quote, less political. Yeah, uh, those ads don't appeal to me. I get that for the larger demographic that completely works there. I would like to go on a, on a flip side, an honorable mention to me, the Fast and the Furious movie trailer. Nice. I absolutely love because what did it do? It captured my attention. If I never see that movie, I can tell you exactly what that was about. You're yep. like, 
whoa, Luda's in there and The Rock. And there's actually a lot of high-profile people. And there's cars jumping off icebergs or something, shooting rockets. I was like, <laughs> man, they know their demographic, don't they? <laughs> I'll give you that, man. No, I, I liked it, too. I thought it was pretty cool. I couldn't believe they're actually shooting another one. But uh, it, that was a good one as well to mention in the honorable mentions. Now, on the flip side of this, let's jump into the fails. Where do you want to start with the losers of the Super Bowl brand bowl? Uh, for me, the thing that stood out to me so much, Purcell detergent. We just talked about how Tide detergent just did an absolutely incredible job. They got Terry Bradshaw and they got Gronk. And what did Purcell detergent decide to go with? With $5 million, Bill Nye, the science guy. What? Just <laughs> absolutely atrocious. The creative in me wants to die. It's that is tone deaf to every single thing. When I look at the Super Bowl ads, everything is still a matter of attention. Yep. You could put that on Facebook right now, and unless you're targeting, uh, we'll call it scientific type people, that's going to completely fall flat on its face. I absolutely hated that ad. Yeah, it did fall flat. I don't even really remember it to be honest. I know that it was exactly. there because I had to because I, I had to watch them all. I I don't remember it at all as far as what they actually did in it, which is a problem. Um, Bush. Well, I guess I'll give him some credit that me and probably other people are using the Bush sound, but that was weird and a waste of energy and time. I thought the lack of creativity and it was like, you know what it was to me? It was like a watered down light beer version of like the Budweiser frogs or something where they're trying to create some sound that everybody starts doing the next day. Ugh. Crap. <laughs> uh, and that's supposed to appeal to me of all things yeah. you see bush light you're like all right natty light bush light keystone we're talking about pounding college beers yeah and that's the demographic that they're going with and i agree i would love to go and create my own bush beer ad itself there's so many better things that they could have done that's a brand right there that should use social engagement better they should have built something around a hashtag for the demographic they're doing, make it a very social ad, not this dude in the woods, which is any number of brands that already do something like that. Yeah, it was weird. It was kind of tone deaf, and it was pretty basic. Um, though This one, I think you might have mentioned that you kind of liked it. I didn't like it. I'm putting it in my fails was the T-Mobile Justin Bieber spot. Yeah, it had a lot of celebrity cred and all that stuff. But really, it was kind of bizarre. I thought the dancing wasn't as good. Like, it wasn't like, oh, my God, the dancing in this thing was out of this world and it had a bunch of celebrities. It was like, wow, like, okay, we threw a football in an end zone on a white backdrop and Justin Bieber is, like, kind of, you know, screwing around and he has a tuxedo on. And you know what the funniest thing is? This morning I woke up to somebody sent me a photo. It, You know what? It, it, apparently, you know who he looks like? The Six Flags dude, the old guy with the glasses and the tuxedo, that's what he looked like. I don't know. It was a fail for me. So the, I don't. I won't say that I liked the whole ad. What I liked is they attempted to try and do something to capture our attention. So unlike Purcell, who used Bill Nye, the science guy, T-Mobile says, all right, we're not the leader in – wireless communication. So how are we going to capture the attention of who I believe is a younger demographic that they're going for? And they say, let's use Justin Bieber. Who's a very polarizing person. 
with Gronk. Now you've got two very recognizable features or figures. I do like caveman Gronk spiking something because everybody can relate to that. Uh, as a whole, am I in love with anything Justin Bieber? No, but guess what? They're going to get people talking about this one way or another, and they just need to get their messaging across. I think they tried that on multiple levels. Uh, they also did it with Snoop and Martha Stewart, which I thought was a better creative, certainly edgier. And I think that's what T-Mobile was trying to do is separate themselves from the pack of, was it Verizon or Sprint who has the, the guy that was on the other carrier network? Because no, that is, that is lame as shit. Uh, at least... I will give T-Mobile props for doing something that I can remember. And if I'm making a decision, I'm more than likely to be like, well, hey, I remember T-Mobile did something with Gronk and Justin Timberlake, or not Timberlake, Justin <laughs> Bieber and Snoop. Hey, I'll give something a shot, at least for my attention. Yeah. Yeah. I like. I did like the one with uh, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart. I will say, so T-Mobile as a whole, I think, did well. I just didn't like the Bieber spot. Um, I'm going to lump these other two and save the worst for last. But the other two that we wanted to touch on was Buick and TurboTax. TurboTax, the Humpty Dumpty weird, I don't, egg. What the hell was that thing? That's, I mean, that, so every time I see a bad ad, I'm never going to hate on the idea. I'm going to hate on the people who approved the bad idea. <laughs> because as a creative, you can throw a million ideas out there. You're never in love with one of them. But once again, how in the world does Humpty Dumpty relate to anything anybody is doing from tax to relevance to like, yeah. it, I yeah. just, I don't understand anything about that. Just, oh, I don't know. It's like, can we relate to people who lived in 1845? Yes. Let's do that ad. I don't know. It was, it was weird. It was weird. What was your thoughts on Buick? Cause I know this one, you, you definitely wanted to, uh, to jump so, on. Buick to me is is a brand that strangely I always think about because they have not been able to do what Old Spice has been able to do. Old Spice and Buick to me were the exact same brand 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Here's your dad's brand. There's nothing flashy about it. Uh, to me, I think of Buick like a pair of khakis or something. There's just there's just nothing there. So they need to have a drastic mindset shift for me as a brand perception of all right, what's going to make me think differently of Buick? And they used Cam Newton in a commercial, and I get what they're trying to do. They've tried to use Shaq in the past, and they've tried to use these other celebrities, but it, it doesn't change their branding at all. Just I don't feel that it's cool, and it's like, oh, my God, is that a Buick? But that's always the thing. I'm, I'm guessing if I sat in a Buick, you're like, this is a pretty cool car. It's no different. Put it this way. Think of the difference of how you think about Lincoln because of Matthew McConaughey, that they have a very defined one-person approach with the way they do this. And with Buick, when I was done looking at the ad and they're like, oh, and if you were a supermodel and then they bring a girl who she was attractive, but she didn't look like a supermodel, had they brought uh, – a Kardashian or somebody who was polarizing. They didn't, they didn't do what T-Mobile did with Gronk, Justin Bieber, Martha Stewart and Snoop. They added Cam Newton, but they just like lightly touched their toe in the water. Yeah. Buick needs to app Buick needs to be like the fast and the furious movie commercial. You got to be like, Holy crap. Did you see Buick? Like what if they did Buick in a demolition derby with, starring, Casey Neistat <laughs> and Johnny Knoxville yeah. and who know like they're just they're gonna get drowned out by everything else and it just it did not impress me in the least bit. It was it was half pregnant. 
Um, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'll agree with everything that you just said there, which brings us to the worst of the worst, which is unfortunate that this takes our number one horrible, complete loser of the Super Bowl commercials because I wanted to see this one win so bad. And you and I have talked about it. Snickers, man. Snickers did the first ever live commercial in the Super Bowl. But if you were not you and I or in a newsroom or intentionally watching the commercials because we're in industry and we're reporting on it, you would have never known this was the first live Super Bowl commercial. Are you kidding me? Not only do I think it failed from an executional level, but the creative was so, what the hell did I watch? So I want to start off by saying shout out to Snickers for attempting this. They were the first ones to try and do it, and everyone's going to hate on them for their ad. I at least have to give them credit for being forward-thinking enough yeah. to say, you know what, we're going to step up and do that. Despite, that I wanted means, to see it. I wanted to see it. I, I thought, right. dude, no joke, no joke. So I was at CBS, and we're, like, creating the rundown. So, like, as we're, we're going to go live on air, like right, at the ver- like, right before the very end of the Super Bowl, jump on air. And so – we were, as everything was happening, like, okay, what do you think's the best ads? How do we want to air them? I had at the top of the rundown that I gave Steve Overmeyer, before the Super Bowl started, Snickers. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be the best one. And it slowly got shifted into, no, the worst of the worst. And I'm like, damn it. I wanted to see them win, but it was garbage. My reaction was, it came on. I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, wait, was, was that it? Did, and, was that the and Snickers because, ad? And the weird thing was... They had the pr- produced part was like the last five, seven, or ten seconds for it, where it's just like Snickers with just some graphics. And I was like, wait, wait a second. What just happened? I was like, did I miss everything? And if you were to ask, well, I, I can't tell you one thing from that ad. All I know mm-hmm. is it looked like it was on a movie set. Nobody in their right mind would think that that's a live ad other than them saying it. But guess what? People aren't paying attention to a lot of those things. If you have yeah. to. They did everything except come across it that was a live ad. Exactly. So what was the point? They might as well just produced it and aired it. That was the whole thing. It's like, if you're going to go through the expense and the trouble of making a live ad, it needs to be obvious that it was live. And it wasn't obvious it was live except for me him mentioning the score. But even that, even to me, and I knew it, and I knew what I was looking for. I was like, wait, what? What is that? Huh? Huh? Wait, it's over? Wait. It was so bizarre, and Snickers tried to like keep playing it up, like, "Oh, sorry, we totally messed it up." It was, you know, but they were just like trying to play it up. That was intentionally. They execute exactly how they were trying to execute, which is unfortunate. I almost hoped that they were like, "Oh, we totally messed it up," like for real, we messed it up, and it just, I don't, it just didn't hit. They would have been better off like doing it in a live stream from an iPhone in the parking lot, so then you knew that it was live. Right. It was just crazy. Why do it on a soundstage and feel so produced so that you can mention the score of the game? Who cares? I would have been more impressed with a Dollar Shave Club-esque live ad in the parking lot. Yeah. Where you could see, let's use the Houston Stadium in the background, and then all of a sudden, can you create a series of 10 things happening in 30 seconds where you're like, oh my god, did you see that? Fireworks happened, and then there was a tiger, and then there was a this, and then there was a this. And somehow it all tied into your hunger for Snickers, and instead they're like, you know what, we're going to go with the Western theme, which I don't know what it relates to anything. No, it was weird. I mean, they were trying to play off the whole, like, lead up to the Super Bowl. It's just, it was unfortunate, because like I said, I really wanted to see them win. Unfortunately, they go to the bottom of the list, worst of the worst. They would have been better off just, like, live 
30 seconds in the parking lot or in the stands with like everyone eating Snickers. How many Snickers could you eat in 30 seconds? That right. would have performed better. And then I would be like, wow, that was live. Okay. It wasn't creative, but it was live. Or, and this one, I'm like, this wasn't creative or, and it didn't feel live. What? What if they had the live part is the reveal at the end. So you look at it and you're like, oh, this looks like it's a produced Super Bowl ad. And then all of a sudden the Western shantytown all collapses in there at set, they're at the 50 yard line yeah. of the Super Bowl, or they're at somewhere where everyone's like, oh my God. They're in the tunnel. I'm doing this just right there. They're in the tunnel or the locker room. Like, that's what I thought we were going to see, and clearly we didn't. So it's unfortunate, but hey, what are you going to do? We obviously have to give them credit for trying something different, and hopefully we'll see either them or somebody else try a live commercial that actually pulls it off uh, in the near future. Um, but yeah, man, I think uh, it was, uh, aside from the, aside from the uh, commercials, what a crazy game. Who thought that was going to play out that way? At least that was entertaining. Yes, very much so. So before we end this, I've got some things that I want to popcorn around that that I noticed. One, you know who was a winner? Gronk. Yep. Gronk was all over he the place. He was in like three ads, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, number two, you know what I noticed? A lot of red cars. Really? Is, is there a particular – I assume is, does red have the best – retention for cars yeah well uh, yeah actually yeah i mean red i guess is like the most memorable as far as a car is i don't know or something uh test that way alfa romero three ads Mm. by the way they used red cars uh i'd never seen an ad for them before so to see them three times uh was a bit surprising to me that was a lot 15 million dollars just for the ad space not the commercial 50 shades of gray spoofs did you like it no it was weird but fine I, I get what they're going for. Uh, the LeBron Sprite ad I felt was jammed in at the end and would have been better earlier on where our attention was different. But instead, everyone was like on Twitter losing their minds because the Patriots are coming back and the ads lost the relevance yeah. as it went on there. Yeah, yeah. If you were if you're an advertiser in the fourth quarter, unfortunately, you kind of got buried a little bit. Uh, Stranger Things 2, definitely a winner for me because anybody who's watched that, one of the things that's probably a common Google search is when is Stranger Things 2 coming out? So for them to just have a Super Bowl ad, people are losing their minds. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. I'm not a fan, like just in general, I wouldn't watch it, but like, it was pretty cool. I got it. I thought people that obviously like that, um, I thought it was well done. So... Uh, back to the Second City thing. Subtext is huge in comedy. One brand who did that, it's a 10 hair. Four years of awful hair. And they showed all the oh, different yeah. ways that we had awful hair. I thought that was clever, at least in the subtext that they were trying to go with there. Yeah, um, that was political too. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I did. Li- I thought that Michelob Ultra was exactly on brand. It was exactly who I thought of. Oh, Febreze. What were your thoughts on that? Because they went with bathroom humor, both for male and female. What did you think about that? It wasn't bad. I mean, look, it obviously, you know, that, that's what the product does. So cool. Like, I get it. Um, you know, potty humor isn't my, like, number one, like, wow, great job, guys. But at the same time, people seem to dig it, and it was at least somewhat memorable, and you're talking about it. So I think they did an okay job. Pistachios. There was an Fail. elephant running on a treadmill and Mrs. Bacon liked it, and I was like, I don't know what I just saw. It's just an elephant running on a treadmill. It was really weird. There was, like, a political undertone on that as well. But also, um, I wish I remember which one it was, but there was – was, I can't remember. It was Apple or somebody, like, years ago – 
did an elephant on a treadmill falling on their face. Like it's already been done. So the creative was ripped off. I liked the mobile strike ads with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Get to the chopper. Nostalgia. The beast. <laughs> yeah. There's another nostalgia one for you and celebrity all at once. And by the way, there were a good amount of app games that uh, advertised in the Super Bowl. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Games were big this year. Uh, I certainly looked for who did a good job with a call to action at the end, specifically who was using hashtags. I would say maybe 30% of the brands had a hashtag at the end, which is something I love to see social integration in anything that anybody's doing. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good. And obviously the right time and the right place, a hashtag that doesn't mean anything that was going to use is useless. But some of the brands did it, uh, did a pretty good job. And even though I hated on the T-Mobile Bieber thing, that one was all very socially driven with a hashtag. So credit for that. Tanks rule. That, I just, <laughs> you I like just that, just that part there. I wasn't sure what they were doing, but then I was like, "All right, I like the tanks roads." <laughs> <laughs> I'm very simple. I'm like caveman Gronk when it comes to advertising. Uh, uh, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> Does not take much to amuse me. So, uh, any last thoughts on your end, Brian? No, man. I think we hit it all. I think it was interesting. It was um, unfortunately not the best year for ads, but there were some standout ones that we talked about. So. I thought it was good. Overall, the game also helped make it a little bit more exciting, though that looked like that was going to be flat, too. So, you know, I'm sorry for any of the Falcons fans or the anti-Pats fans out there, but uh, at least it was a very interesting game to watch. It blows my mind. The Falcons were running the ball twice and kicking a field goal away from winning the Super Bowl. Yep. Instead, with four minutes left in the game, they're like, you know what we should do? We should probably pass the ball where we can get sacked a holding penalty yeah. or anything. Yeah. And then uh, what was, I think they lost 27 yards after that insanely good Julio Jones catch. Yeah. What was it? Um, I'm going to script the exact stats, but I think it was um, after they had the, tw- was it 28 to three lead? Was it was yeah. right? 28 to three. Once the Pats got back in, you know, after the second half and they got the ball back, I think the Falcons were held to like 40-something yards or whatever. And it was like the first drive, like negative 17 and then negative 3. And then they're like, holy crap. Like the Pats D came out hard after they, after. I half believe time. the Falcons had a 99% win probability. Yeah. And at, at halftime, the Patriots were plus 450 money line to win the game. Yep. Meaning that's more than four and a half times. And then the Falcons scored first right out of the halftime. So... Just absolutely crazy. That's got to be nauseating. And unfortunately for Falcons fans, they've seen their share of heartbreak uh, in playoff games. So I certainly sympathize with them. Absolutely, man. Well, listen, this was an exciting episode. And uh, yeah, what? Uh, any takeaways you want to give the audience on this one before we wrap it up? Uh, complete integrate or complete engagement follow some of your campaigns with social we saw squarespace do a good job of following me around the internet with those ads or having the hashtags there uh and be a good storyteller we saw the ones that were the best told the best stories uh what about you yeah, I, I think it's also I think it's understanding your target audience. And in the Super Bowl, people are drinking, they're having a good time, they're having fun, they want to be entertained. Obviously, you know, like you can still tell a good story that's not necessarily has to be funny to do that. Um, but you gotta entertain. Um, and a lot of that, especially in the Super Bowl, comes with like really slapstick type humor or celebrities or something. Um, and you just you just wanna go all in. Like you're better off 
look, you're better off being the Snickers that went all in and the execution failed than being the Buick that's trying to kind of maybe sort of do something and absolutely just does nothing but waste money. So that's my opinion. If you're going to do do it, go for it. Even if it fails, learn, learn from it and try something else later. All right, guys. In today's action item, I want you to send Brian and I a video message with your thoughts on the Super Bowl winners and losers, not a tweet. I want you to pop open a video. Why? Because we want to see your pearly whites. Show us some emotion. Have some fun. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Whoa, do it. We'll call the people out who did it and maybe even call out some people who didn't. 